The following audio is from a sermon series on the book of Colossians entitled, Jesus Over Everything. For more information about Sacred City Church, please visit sacredcitychurch.com. Hear the word of the Lord from Colossians 4, 5-6. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, church. I'm uh, excited to be here with you. As, uh, as Rev said, I, I've been a longtime friend of uh, Justin, Pastor Justin, and, and of Sacred City. And so, as always, I like to say thank you for supporting us. We're six years old now uh, as a church. I don't believe we're any longer a church plant as we have our own church planting residents coming and things of that nature. And so it's been a, a gift uh, to get to walk alongside Sacred City. Every time I come and preach, it's always um, exciting. And, and most importantly, I love to preach the gospel, but equally, I love to make fun of Justin Dean in front of you. And so uh, I did notice that he went on sabbatical right as you got to come indoors. And so that's interesting, isn't it? And so outside underneath the tent was okay for Pastor Justin, but inside, not so much, huh? And so um, I, I love him. He has been a longtime friend for me. We uh, he took me mountain biking. We do all sorts of fun things. He treats me like a little brother, which means he's uh, not super nice to me all the time, but uh, leads me well. And so, uh, so it is a gift to get to come and get to get to be with you, and really uh, for him even to uh, trust me um, to to come and to preach. And if you're a part of his preaching and teaching, you know that it is off the charts. And so that he would even um, allow me to come and steward God's word before you uh, is honestly a gift. Um, to get to come as the little brother who looks up to him in so many ways to get to come and preach uh, and teach. And so it's an honor for me to be here uh, with you. I just want to pray, um, and then we're going to read a little bit of Colossians, and we'll see what the Lord has for us. Sound good? Okay, I know there are a few of us in here, but I have a church that talks to me, okay? So when I say things like, sound good, you can say, sounds good, or uh-huh, or amen, or you got it, or whatever, okay? So I'll pray, and then I'm going to need some help with this sermon, Okay. Here we go. Father in heaven, thank you so much. Um, Just an incredible opportunity to be inside. Um, Man, just good for our souls this morning to gather together as uh, saints to be um, in here, to hear liturgy, to hear song, to just to hear voices. We went so many months, Lord, where we just missed the physical connection of hearing our brothers and sisters sing out to you. So thank you for the gift today that you've given us. God, as always, um, I pray that above all that today that, that Jesus would be made known, um, that he would stand above. I mean, he is above God, so just I pray that our feeble attempt, my feeble attempt to proclaim the gospel of God, that, that it would be found as pleasant to his ears. Uh, as we respond as brothers and sisters today, God, may, may he just be excited about our worship today. As always, I pray for my own anxieties and thoughts and feelings, emotions. God, I pray today that you, you just give me clarity. Uh, give me theological precision as we enter into the text. Uh, help settle my own anxieties. And I pray the same for those that are here. This is such an interesting time. And so, God, I pray for the anxieties that are in the room. May, may we just trust in you today. Um, find our hope, find our joy, our trust in Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. All God's people said, amen. And so we just heard the text uh, read, but for context, let me just Read it again. I'm going to read Colossians 4, 2 through 6, instead of just 5 and 6, um, just to kind of remind us of what we heard last week. Seven days is a long time to remember a sermon from last week. And so um, Colossians 4, 2 through 4 says this. Paul says, continue steadfastly in prayer, 
First thing, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray. Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the world to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. And then today's text, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And so last week, if you were here, or if you engaged um, online through um, social media and got to watch the sermon, uh, you would have heard the pastor from last week talking about Paul encouraging the church to first pray. And so the first thing Paul says is that let's spend some time in prayer for the lost. Let's spend some time in prayer for the not yet Christian or for the outsider to use this language. And Paul here is talking about evangelism. And he's talking first about a prayerful approach to evangelism. We need to first pray and then let our prayer actually fuel our physical response to evangelism. But he begins with prayer, right? So prayer then, kind of first thing we saw in the text last week was that prayer fuels the pursuit if we're not praying for people by name, if we're not praying for the lost or praying for the not yet believer or praying for the outsider to use the words of the text, why would we ever pursue them? Right? It begins with prayer. It's continued with pursuit. And so Paul starts us there last week, and then this week he comes in, and just two simple points. He says, walk in wisdom to the outs- with the outsider and let your speech be gracious to the outsider. And so there's just one point that, that I hope to make today. When I preach, I like to give a big idea, a sentence, maybe it'll be on the screen for you. And so this big idea that I wrestled with this week is this. You cannot come into the presence of Jesus apart from the power of Jesus. You cannot come into the presence of Jesus apart from the power of Jesus. And so what I believe Paul is going to reveal to us is that whenever non-believers come or whenever outsiders come or whenever those come from outside of the church, you know, those people, those people that we can look down our noses at, the very people we're called to live on mission for, by the way, but whenever they come into the church, when those outsiders come, right, it is our responsibility then to share the gospel with them. And in sharing the gospel with them, what we're doing is not just, we're not just using words to share the gospel, but rather we're inviting folks into the presence of Jesus by the power of Jesus. Like the presence and power of Jesus is revealed in the gospel, in the good news of, as to who Jesus is, not to who we are. And so you cannot come into the presence of Jesus apart from the power of Jesus. And so we get to have this incredible experience and this incredible opportunity where we get to share the gospel. Like that's a gift that the Lord has given us to put his power and put his presence on display with our words. And non-believers, not yet Christians, man, they get to engage that. And they get to watch it in us and see it in our missional communities, see it in the lives of our families. It's an incredible opportunity that the Lord has given us And so Paul, in the text, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. He just has two things to say for us. It's a timely text, yes? Let's start with the first one. Walk in wisdom toward the outsiders, making the best use of our time. Well, what does it mean to walk in wisdom? I feel like there's so many things that we could say, and so I'll try to keep it as simple as I can. I think in order for us to understand what Paul means by walking in wisdom, we have to first understand what Paul means by make the best use of your time. And so in the language here in Colossians, what Paul actually says is you need to walk in wisdom and buy the time. 
You could also say walk in wisdom and then you could think redeem the time if you want to. And so what he's saying is then walk in wisdom, but part of that wisdom walking it involves you making good use of the time that you have. Let me ask then, first challenge. God put the world on pause for three months. How did you use your time? How did you use your time? Besides binge watching Tiger King the first couple of weeks, how, how did you go about redeeming the time or buying the time? Uh, as I engage people from our own church, it's Heights Community, uh, I heard two different responses, okay? As I'm coaching, counseling our, our own people. Uh, some of the family says, man, we, we've worked um, really well at using our time wisely, buying the time, redeeming the time. They said, we started diets, we started going on walks, um, we've had more time together to read, to be in prayer. We've started, you know, series on Right Now Media. We've also binge-watched some things. But, but across the board, we've redeemed the time. They've bought the time back that God had allotted them for three months. The majority of the people, sadly, though, that I've engaged in our own church, when I said, hey, how, do you, how are you doing in the midst of a global pandemic? We've never experienced this before. What's that like? And they're like, we feel a little chaotic uh, we feel a little crazy. We feel a little uncertain. We're not sure as to what God is doing right now. To which I would ask all of them, well, how have you been using your time? What do your spiritual disciplines look like? Have you been engaging in community? Have you been in, uh, unfortunately, on Zoom in your missional community? Everyone's tired of that. Amen? All right. Have you been engaging in that way, though? Have you been in the Word? Like, what have you been doing? And, and more often than not, about all of them said, who felt the uncertainty, who felt like a little disarray as to what's happening, thought or said to me, we haven't really been in the Word. We haven't really been praying. Yeah, I haven't really been on Zoom. I'm just kind of, I have screen fatigue. I'm just tired of looking at the screen. And so as I continue to engage those, it's pretty clear that this great deal of uncertainty about the present time came when they failed to buy the time, when they failed to redeem the time. Real simple stuff here that Paul's telling us, yeah? Paul's telling the Colossian church, if you want to experience wisdom, wisdom, you gotta buy the time. Like, you gotta buy it, church. You gotta fight for it. And God has given us a time right now to be able to do that. Think about it real simply. Like, whenever you need something for your home, what do you do? You go buy it. Pretty simple stuff, right? When you need something for your car, what do you do? You go buy it. You think, I got to go out and get it. Amazon, it's there in 24 hours, right? More often than not, we don't even have to need anything. We just want something. We think, Target, I'm going to Target, right? Like, it's not even a need anymore. It's just, I kind of want this thing that just popped into my mind or I mentioned it. It just happened to pop up on Facebook ads, which is really creepy, but happens all the time. And we think, oh, man, I, yeah, I need that. I went from a want to a need. More often than not, if you want something, not even needing it, just a little itch, you'll go and buy it. Listen to me. We need time with our Savior. How much more so than right now do we need the power and the presence of Jesus in our life right now? And it is up to us. We've got to fight for that time. and the, We've got to fight for it. We've got to buy the time. We have to redeem the time. This is what it looks like to begin to walk in wisdom. We need to come into the presence of Jesus. Uh, my missional community this, um, started this last month, our effort to buy the time. Uh, we started reading through the Bible in a year, just a real simple plan on our phone, reading through the Bible uh, in a year. And this last week is fitting. We're in Job, and Job 28, 28 says, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil, well, that's understanding. Right? Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. And so Job is not saying anything different from what Paul is saying. Job is saying, you got to come into the presence of your father. 
coming into his presence, experiencing him, that fear, that awe, that reverence that comes from coming into the presence of God the Father, experiencing his power, that is in fact the beginning of wisdom. It's no different than what Paul's saying. We've got to buy the time. We've got to redeem the time. Come into the presence of God, experience his presence, his power. And the reality is you can't do it, dude. Like apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, apart from spiritual disciplines, it's not going to just happen. And so we have to redeem it. And as we come, in our case, as we come to Jesus, we're just reminded of who he is. How much more so than right now do we need to be reminded of who Jesus is and what he can do in our lives? How much more? He's given us the time to do it. How much more do we need to just come before our Savior and just remember just how other he is? Just so different, so glorious, so faithful, so sovereign, so in control. Nothing that's happened, that's happening, happened outside of his wisdom, outside of his might, outside of his strength, outside of him knowing it was going to happen millennia before it happened. Like we need to come into his presence how much more than right now. Listen, the alarm is sounding. The alarm is sounding. We need him, need his presence, need his power. Think about it, global pandemic. <laughs> Cultural tension on every side right now. Intense amount of suffering everywhere right now. God has made, forced America to open their eyes to the realities of the rest of the world right now. How much more do we need him? We need his presence. We need his power. Let me ask, whose presence have you found yourself in in the midst of this global pandemic? Who, whose power have you been sitting under and, and allowing to fuel your mind and your heart and your thoughts? Who are you sitting under? Who are you sitting with? Paul says if you want to walk in wisdom, you've got to redeem the time. Well, what does that look like? We'll, I'll get there in the end. We'll get there on what that can look like. But Paul prayed first for wisdom and understanding for the Colossians church. If you remember all the way back, you guys do books for like six years, so there's no telling how long you've been in Colossians. If you can remember back in your youth when you started Colossians, <laughs> Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, it said this, and so from the day we heard, Paul's talking about hearing of the salvation uh, of the church of Colossae, and so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, whose will? His will, and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Well, what would that look like, Paul? He says this, it would look like bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, again, you guys took probably 14 weeks to walk through these four verses. I, I get it, okay? Great in-depth theological clarity from Pastor Justin Dean and others. Let me sum up 14 weeks of in-depth exological study for you in like 14 seconds. Paul says, from the moment he heard that they come to faith and of their good work as a church, he started praying for the church, the Colossian church. Started praying for wisdom, started praying for knowledge for them. And then he continues and he says, hey, here's what um, this thing will look like. You're going to look like a whole new man when you walk out wisdom. You're going to look like a whole new individual whenever you walk this thing out. And then he hits some real specific things. He says, you're going to walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord. 
You're going to be spending time with him. You're going to walk in godliness. You're going to try to be at least above reproach. You're going to do things that are fully pleasing to God in your actions, as if he were standing there with you under his presence, by his power. He says you're going to bear good fruit and grow in your own knowledge. You're actually going to go to your word. You're going to redeem the time. You're going to spend time in your word. You're going to grow in that way. You're going to trust in God's strength and not in your own. You're going to have endurance, pushing the mission forward. You're going to model patience, and you're going to experience joy, and you're going to give thanks to the Father. Why? Because he's redeemed you. Why do we redeem the time? Because we have been redeemed. He's given us the same inheritance as the Son, and we get to experience that inheritance over and over and over again as we engage him. His power, not ours. His presence is more important than our presence. It doesn't take 14 weeks to say that, right? We can say it right here. We need his presence and his power. And so walking in wisdom then involves walking in his power and his presence. That's the first thing that Paul says. The second thing Paul says is this, let your speech always be gracious. And this is so important for us, church. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. I feel like Joe could have just put that in our confession of sin right there. The things that I read on social media lately from our brothers and sisters of the faith. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. In Paul's culture, uh, salt was used to ignite taste naturally, just as salt is used in our culture to ignite taste as well. But Saul's culture also, salt was used to be a preservative, uh, to keep food from decay, to keep food from mold with, uh, mold with the absence of a refrigeration system, right? They would so, um, dump things in salt or dump salt upon things to preserve them. And so they would utilize salt to, to keep away mold, to keep away decay, to preserve things. Pretty simple um, illustration here for us. So also then, we have been entrusted with the gospel for the preservation of our culture, for people, for the outsider, as Paul says, not by our power and our presence, but by the power and presence of Jesus Christ. And we get to share this gospel. We get to bring the beauty and the flavor and the majesty of Jesus Christ to bear in our speech and our words as we get to set across the table from someone and engage them. It is in our speech that we have this incredible opportunity to, in, to introduce this outsider, this not yet believer, into the power and presence of Jesus. Just with our words, by the power of the Holy Spirit in that moment, right? We just speak our feeble, as we fumble words out of our mouth, the Holy Spirit swoops in with his power in the very presence of Jesus and uses it. He uses the gospel to preserve, to save people, now, we don't do that. That responsibility is not on me. It's not on you. Right now, it's not on me. Feeble attempt to preach the gospel, and yet the Holy Spirit will use it to bring preservation to the church, to Sacred City Church, and to those that are watching online. Right? Hands off the wheel at this thing. It's incredible. Right? In our speech, we have this opportunity to be a part of that preservation. I, I love the um, illustration of salt. It's so simple because, like, if you come to, to St. Louis, uh, Nine times out of ten, you're going to ask, hey, where should we go eat? Bro, where should we go eat at? Right? Anytime you travel somewhere, you typically ask, hey, where should we go eat? Now, if you come to St. Louis now, you say, uh, where can we eat outdoors? Who has some outdoor seating that we can go to? I don't know if you guys have opened up yet here, but we've been very, very slow to open things up 
which is fine. But at this point, we don't really care what we eat. We're just trying to get out the house. You with me? But when you travel, think, don't you tend to ask that? Hey, where should we go? You put it on Facebook, looking for recommendations. Where should we go? Why? Why would you do that? Because I think there's something about food that speaks to the outsider. There's something about that experience that, that speaks to the outsider. I think as an outsider coming into a new community that we want to taste the culture. We want something we can remember whenever we go. We don't want to go eat at a chain restaurant in a different state because you can do that anywhere, right? You can do that anywhere. So whenever you go, you say, where, where can we go? And that, I think it's because like, we want to taste the difference. We want to experience something different within that culture. We want to create a memory that we can savor because you regularly come back. Oh, I remember when we went here and we ate this and we, did this, we had this conversation as a family. So you think about it. You want an experience that you can savor. So also Paul is saying, man, our speech should be the same way. Our speech should be the exact same way that as we get to engage someone sitting across from us, the, the way that we invite them in, the, the experience that we create for them, we want to create something for them, an experience for them that they can savor, that they can remember, that they can recall again and again and again and want to, to have that experience again. Now, not in a way that is cowardice, not in a way that we itch their ears, but as we stand boldly with the proclamation of God's word and the gospel and we engage in a way that's thought-provoking, right? Like it should create in them something that they think, I just want to come back to that again. I want, I want to experience that again. I want to bring friends and family with me. And as I engage them, I just want to lean in because the way that they talk about the gospel, like the way that he or she is speaking about Jesus is so different than what I'm used to. It's, it's so much different than what the rest of the world has to say about them. And then they're actually living it out. They do this crazy thing called missional communities. And not only do they talk about the gospel, but they actually walk out the gospel and they invite my family and they love my kids and, and they kind of, they view being a Christian everywhere and not just on Sunday. And, and in that, it's just so different. And so it's not just about like the words that we're saying, but it's, it's the whole experience as they engage the church. Paul says, man, all of that should be seasoned with salt and, and done so in a way where they just want to come back again and again. I mean, just remember with me, recall with me Romans 1.16. For I'm unashamed of the gospel. Why? I'm unashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the very power of God for salvation. The power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first, also to the Greek, for in it what? For in it the righteousness of God. His presence is revealed. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This incredible opportunity to season our words with salt so that people can come into the presence of Jesus by the power of Jesus. This great attempt, this thing that we get to do, we get, like, we get to share, just say, this is the stuff that makes me say, shut up. I'm like, dude, I get to share this gospel? Like, I get to invite you into my home and, and bless you with the gifts and resources that the Lord has given me? Shut up. That's crazy. Just think about that. Isn't that crazy? It's so crazy that the Lord chose us to do that, to be his physical representation to the world. Sinner saints that we are, and yet he invites us to it. It's incredible. Yeah, the presence of Jesus is made through our sharing the gospel. We get to play a role. I feel like I had to cap, just setting that for a second. I had that in all caps. That's just dumb is what I had in my notes. It's incredible. 
And yet, brothers and sisters, man, as we go to social media, we don't see any salt, do we? Very little salt flavoring the language and the words and the speech of our professing brothers and sisters. I sat this week and just wept thinking about posts that I've read from professing brothers and sisters of the faith who are trying to engage people of different races and ethnicities, different political views. There's just nothing gracious in their speech for many of them, for most of them. Professing brothers and sisters who are supposed to be inviting dialogue, supposed to be uh, practicing active listening, supposed to be pointing to the power and presence of Jesus, tend to spend more time just revealing that they want to win. Spend, spend more time revealing if, if they can get the period in there first and post the most confrontational post first, then they win. What are they doing in that moment? Caring far more about their power and their presence than the power and presence of Jesus, yeah? It's shameful, church. It's not redeeming the time. It's not walking in wisdom. It's not gracious in speech. It's bland. It doesn't preserve anything. What do you do with food that you don't preserve? You throw it in the trash. Their language is trash. It's moldy. It's foul. It's disrespectful. It does not speak life. It does not speak hope. It's not even Christian. It's a picture of what the world wants to do to Christ. And yet we have professing brothers and sisters on here speaking in the flesh instead of in the spirit, just putting people on blast, not listening, not being gracious, not seasoned with salt. And that comes from a place where they have either forgot that they were once the outsider, as we read in Ephesians earlier, or they're not yet on the inside, just professing Christ and not yet saved forgetting perhaps that, that maybe there was someone who took the time to sit with them and listen, to dialogue, to gracefully disagree, to share the gospel, to woo them in through God's word by the power of his spirit. And if that's you, you need to repent. If your words have been foul and hurtful and lacking grace, if that is you, you need to repent. Because there is no wisdom in that. It's just ignorance. And it's going to breed death. Let your speech always be gracious, Paul says. Always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer. How do I, how do I answer then? How do I answer? Always gracious. That's how you answer. That's what Paul said. Well, I don't, but I don't disagree. But I, but I disagree. But I object but, but I don't believe in their same political worldview. I don't believe in this or that. I, I, that makes me feel uncomfortable. When they say these things, I'm in opposition. How do I respond then? Always being gracious, that's how. Always seasoned with salt, that's how. And the reality is this, like we can either usher people into the presence of Jesus or away from the presence of Jesus. We can either care more about Jesus's power or we can care more about our power that is fleeting. And so in that, let me just remind us of the gospel like we were the outsider, church. We, we read it together. We, we saw it on the screens together. We were the alienated. We had no home. We had no nation. We had no covenantal promise to, by which we could set under and find hope and joy in, in the coming of Jesus Christ. We were dead, the scripture says, alienated from Christ Jesus. And yet he came just by mercy alone and by grace alone, cared 
We talked about it this morning in the meeting, like God's word mattered so much to him. Words mattered so much that he put flesh on them and sent him into culture. A picture of seasoned salt, right? A picture of wisdom, a picture of perfection for us to look to. Not that we can be that, but so that he could be that for us. Jesus comes and walks in perfection that we cannot walk in so that we don't have to. Just so that we can look at him and see the perfect example of what it looked like. He comes, not just in theory, not as some Dumbledore out in the clouds, but in presence and in power. He comes, dwells among his people, walks among his people. I'm talking bold and courageous and also full of grace and mercy in his speech. Both his power and presence of God is put on display for us to see so that we might submit to him, not to our own well-being. So we might worship him, not feel a desire to worship ourselves and just win. So we can look to his righteousness and not fall prey to self-righteousness. And then he dies the death that we deserve going to the cross. I mean, just think about that for just a second. Just think about this for a second. Don't ever become numb to the gospel, church. The King of kings and the Lord of lords enters into creation goes to the cross so that all of our sin, all the effects of our sin, for those of you that have been damaging people left and right in social media, so every single wound that you've thrown out and even the results of your behavior could be laid upon Jesus Christ and then resurrects to new life. What does that mean? It means he guarantees, he seals us in himself, in his presence. He sends us the very power that resurrected him from the grave, sends us the Holy Spirit, the birth of the church, so that now we could be his representative both in presence and in power to a culture that is dying as we're being formed and reformed in here so also we get to go out and form and reform out there. It's this incredible opportunity that we have as a church. And listen, the world is watching right now, watching how will we respond to the gospel? Will it be good news? Will the gospel be seasoned with salt? Will we walk in wisdom, how do we even do that? Here's the last thing I want to take you to. Um, real simple stuff. Acts chapter 2, 42. Okay, Jesus has lived the perfect life, died the most horrific death, resurrected, ascended, seated with his father, sent the Holy Spirit, church has been birthed. Acts 2, 42, the early church did this. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. They devoted themselves to these things. So you say, how do I walk in wisdom? What does it look like to have my speech seasoned with salt? How do I know how to respond to the outsider? Listen, and they devoted themselves. Not, not in some way that was flippant, okay? Not, not in a way that just, listen, devoted, complete and utter devotion to these four things, to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to the prayers. We've been looking at this one verse for the last seven weeks at our church. We know how to spend too much time in a verse two, okay? Learn from the best, okay? Learn from the best. Listen, devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to God's word. They were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to gospel community. They were devoted to communion, to celebrating the work of the gospel. This is what drove the church, okay? This is what they, the foundation of the church was built upon these disciplines. This is what it means. If you want to know, how do I find wisdom? How do I have my speech seasoned? We have to devote ourselves to God's word, to fellowship, to prayer, and to communion. Not in a way that just happens on a Sunday for an hour to an hour and a half. 
but with our lives complete and total surrender to these spiritual disciplines, not as a means to an end, church, but listen, as a means of grace. Like God has graced us with these. And as we engage God's word in prayer and fellowship and communion, we're actually reminded of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. By that then, we are ushered into the presence of Jesus once again to experience the power of Jesus. They're not a means to end, they're a means of grace, a physical way by which the Father interacts with us through the work of the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's given us these gifts to get to walk out. And so this isn't just something that can happen in theory that Paul's telling us, but God has equipped us with every single thing that we need to walk in wisdom and to have seasoned speech so that we know how to engage the outsider. Amen? Amen. As we pray, let me pray, and then we'll usher us into communion. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your time, for your word, for the time to be able to get to preach and teach. For simple application like going to your word and prayer and fellowship and communion. God, I pray... Um, for those that have been damaging with their tongue for repentance, uh, for, for those of us maybe who have not said enough, maybe we should repent of that. Regardless, Lord, help us to find our hope and trust in your son today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.